Uh, that being said, one more announcement on Friday was uh, November 11th, which was Veterans Day. And on Veterans Day, we celebrate and thank all of those who have served our country sacrificially, willing to live their lives and offer their lives sacrificially. And so can we just clap for our veterans who have served our country for real? Thank you. So grateful. So grateful for both the life of sacrifice. If you join the military and serve in that way, it's a lifetime of sacrifice. Taking risks every single day, possibly offering yourself in the greatest sacrifice, laying your life down. So we thank you for all the veterans who have served our country. And we thank God that he indeed is leading not just our country, but the world, and we can trust in him and look to him. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that as God continues to lead the children of Israel in their conquest of the promised land. Early this morning, I was getting dressed, getting ready for church, and my 13-year-old son, Nemo, he was putting his shoes on. He said, hey, Dad, think you can teach a whole other chapter today? And then he just followed up. He's like, you're on a roll, bro. We've been getting through chapters here. This is part six in our segues or our study through Joshua, and we are indeed going to study all of chapter four. I'm gonna say a quick prayer and ask God to bless us as we study chapter four. And I believe chapter four, it's 24 verses longer, 23 verses, something like that. And as I was studying chapter four, last night I texted some friends. I said, can you guys pray for me? Chapter four is freaking me out. I just, I mean, it's just kind of, so it's a long chapter. With I'm just trying to find the, the nuggets in here, and I believe God really wants to bless us and to to show us how important chapter four is, not just for their life 3,000 years ago, but for our life as well, moving forward in the things of God. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that indeed you have, Lord, prepared before us a table in the presence of our enemies, that, Lord, you'll lead us and guide us, that you'll equip us. Lord, and as I, as I mentioned quickly to my family last night, I wonder how much longer until the Lord's return and Nemo again chimed in, I sure hope it's soon, Dad. And I started thinking about the climate that we live in. Man, what, what else needs to happen? How bad does it have to get? How, how, how godless? I don't know the answer. I don't know. I, I, historically, Lord, as we look at your word and even study the history that we have available to us, we see plenty of godless generations. And yet we always see a remnant. We always see a people group. We always see sons and daughters. We see Rahabs living amongst the Canaanites in Jericho who had heard about the Lord and said, oh, that's the true God, the living God, the powerful God. And so in Jesus' name, in a world gone mad and in a time that is crazy and really unpredictable, would you soften our hearts, Lord? Would you equip us and would you cleanse us? Every believer here, if you're a believer here, this is for you, that the Lord would equip you to be the man or woman that you are, to live the life he's asked you to live, Young or old, he's called you for such a time as this. He has plans and purposes for you. And may you, Holy Spirit, anoint us and fill us. And even in our weakness, may your strength be made perfect. We need you. We love you and we look to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Let's read chapter four in totality, lest I don't teach the whole thing. At least I read the whole thing. And it came to pass. By the way, it always comes to pass. It never comes to stay. It always comes to pass. Did you know that? Whether it's good or bad. You're going through a season in your life that's just horrible, you can barely get through it. Did you know it came to pass? It's not always gonna be that way. You who've lived a season or two, a chapter or four, you've gone in your life, you're like, man, remember that? That was crazy, I'm so glad that's over. Let me also say this, in those seasons of fruitfulness and joy and, 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 and increase, okay, that will pass also. We live in a messed up world. It came to pass. When all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Can I just clue you in real quick? 12 men from 12 tribes Hand selected, here we are, what do you want us to do? Grab a rock from the river. Okay, where should we carry it? To the lodging place tonight. Hey Joshua, that's like eight miles away bro. 
Yeah, that's why I picked you. Okay. <laughs> when I have my imagination, I see him grabbing this rock and like taking it out, like setting it down right by like a campfire. Like, I did it. No, they took these rocks to Gilgal. Gilgal. These are ministry leaders and they volunteered. I want to serve. I want to serve. Pick up a rock and carry it eight miles. Okay. Join the ministry, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Did you know that ministry and leading is that? It's serving. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest among people, cool. He didn't poo-poo on that. You want to be the greatest? Oh, good desire. Make sure and become the servant of all. Outserve everyone. Show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. Don't, don't, don't cut people short. Don't cut your boss short. Don't cut your people short. Go above and beyond the call of duty. Isn't that awesome? As a leader, as a top dog, there's three million people here on the shore, and they picked 12. Wouldn't these guys thought themselves pretty cool? Like, hoo, 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 stand real tall, Joshua? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Bend over, pick up a rock, and get walking. What? Anyways, freaks me out. Here, here it is, though. Let's keep reading. Verse five, and Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, hey, what do these stones mean to you? Love it. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Yeah, but these stones are eight miles from the river Jordan. How did they get here? I carried them uphill both ways, you know, paper bags on my feet and to tell the story. Verse eight. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and they took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and they carried them over to the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 more stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Joshua makes his own stone memorial in the middle of the Jordan. Some stones are taken out, some stones are put in. We'll talk about that. Look at verse 10. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua and the people hurried and crossed over. I don't know how long it took them. Three or four million people, the priests standing there the whole time. The word hurry is added in like, hurry up, dude. The priest's been standing there for six days. I get going. This is taking too long. I don't know how long it takes you to fill your minivan, but this would have been crazy. Then it came to pass, verse 11. When all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priest crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben and the men of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, these three tribes, they crossed over, armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them back in Numbers 32. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. You know, these three tribes, they weren't crossing over into the promised land. They had negotiated a bummer deal. I add the word bummer. They had negotiated a deal with Moses years earlier and said, you know what? Can we just stay on the east side of the Jordan? It looks great. This is perfect for us. And it was a compromise. You ever compromised before? It was a compromise, and they stayed there but on one condition, that when the rest of the children of Israel crossed over, they would grab their weapons and cross over also and help them fight to establish their homeland. So they're at least keeping their end of the bargain. Sad story, though. Eventually, they would find themselves outside of the protection of God and picked off slowly. And that's what happens when you are in the back of the pack and outside of God's perfect will for your life. There's a whole teachable moment there. Verse 15, then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, hey, command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from Jordan. So these priests come up out. Joshua therefore commanded the priests saying, come up out of the Jordan. And it came to pass, a lot of stuff is coming to pass. When the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, that the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Isn't that rad? They were instructed previously, go into the water and let your souls touch the water. And they're like, oh, okay. So they did, and the water stopped. Whoa, crazy. And they walked into the middle. They stood there for however long. It may have been days. I don't know, a long time Nothing changed, and then Joshua was like, get out of there, and as soon as they come out on dry land, they look up, and here comes the water. Isn't it interesting that when they obeyed and did what God said, miracles happened? Isn't that crazy? 
How does that work in your life? Isn't that nuts? You ever heard the saying before that fortune favors the brave? You ever, seen that? You ever heard that before? It's kind of gets you thinking like, man, you're so fortunate. Well, it's because I'm taking risks. I'm doing stuff. But I believe blessings favor the obedient. Amen from one person up here. I'm going to say it again. I believe blessings favor the obedient. Amen. Most people, not everyone, but most of you guys are over here, over here, quiet, you know. Isn't that weird? Don't you just wonder sometimes, how come you're so blessed? Or maybe you ask the question, how come I'm not blessed? And I understand we live in the season and age of grace, okay? We are blessed not because of our works, but because of God's goodness and his gift to us. But there's a principle that the blessings of the Lord follow those who are obedient to the Lord. Get in the water. Oh, seems risky, but that's what he said to do. Whoa, miracle. Crazy. Come on out now. Okay, what do I, whoa, here comes the water again. Application, application, application. May the Lord lead us in obedience. Now, verse 19, a few more verses, and then we're gonna get into the study. This is all just prep work. Now, the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you. Until you had crossed over the Lord your God did, wait, up into the waters of the Jordan before you, until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua chapter 4. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name for application, for understanding, for illumination. That you, Lord, would remind us of your faithfulness thus far. And you would establish us, Lord, moving forward. That when people ask us or when we have conversations with ourselves, what do these stones mean? What has God done for me that we would have, Lord, provision for the future because of the faith of the past, because of what you've done in our lives. And I pray blessing and mercy upon us now as we study your word and apply it to our hearts. Do this, Lord, for your glory and for others' good. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Chapter three, we studied it last week. There's the word of faith. Joshua speaks, the officers speak, God speaks, and so the people begin to obey. They move, and they do these things, and there's the word of faith, and there's the walk of faith, and now we see that their walking becomes, listen, a witness of faith. Did you know that the things you do in response to who God is and what God says is more important than just for you? Your life is to be a witness to the people around us, amen? Sometimes I get in an argument with myself and the Lord and obedience and should I and would I and could I and I begin to just kind of get circular in my thinking not realizing that it has to do with the people around me. In chapter four, we see this long chapter dedicated to grabbing some stones, setting them up so nobody ever forgets and so there's always a living witness and testimony of what God had done in their lives. You know why? because they're gonna forget. Have you ever forgot something really important before? Husband's like, well, I can't remember, you know. Yeah. Maybe, ask my wife, you know. <laughs> we forget! As a matter of fact, because of our broken nature, we're broken by nature, we have a tendency to forget the things that we wanna remember, don't, don't you? And we remember the things we're just trying to forget so bad. Isn't that crazy? We're like, oh, that's so important, I should remember that. But we don't. And so in this chapter, we see this 24 verses dedicated to God saying, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget what happened. You obeyed, I spoke, you walked, miracles happened. You're gonna need that type of faith. You're gonna need that type of testimony moving forward. Someone's gonna ask you one day, why are you the way you are? How'd you get here? What's your story? Why are you smiling through this adversity? Why are you glowing through this trial? Why are you able to overcome this difficulty? Oh, let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you how God delivered me through the Jordan River. The Jordan River again speaks of that filling of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you how God delivered us through the Red Sea. That Red Sea speaks of being saved. When you're born again and God does a new work in your life and people look at you and you can look at yourself and you can look at the trials in front of you and say, how are we gonna get through this? I don't know. How did we get through that? How are we able to get through the past difficulties of our life? And it's important to know, again, it's not just about you, but it's about your witness. 
We'll talk about that at the end, but it's interesting that students at South Beach Church School, South Beach Christian School, last week were memorizing a verse, I think it's Matthew 5.14, which says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And that was their memory verse. You're the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I thought it was so cool because as Christians, we tend to look at our lives and say, man, this is a real big deal. I'm a Christian, can't blow it, and I gotta make God happy and all this pressure. And in reality, God says, wait, you're the light of the world. Like you're on mission, I'm sending you out. We're co-op together, we're teammates. I, you're my hands, you're my feet, I'm gonna anoint you. And it kind of puts a different perspective on your life. There's more fun, there's more purpose, there's more value, there's more at stake. And what we see in chapter three is that God is in control of everything, all the details, every single detail. There's weird details, I think that's why the Bible uh, details them and instructs them as we can study it. Because sometimes in your life you're like, this is a weird detail. This is weird, why would I have to do this? Why does this, this is not making sense. It will make sense eventually. God's controlling the waters as they're coming down 20 miles away. He's doing things that you have no idea. Just trust him. He's in the details as well. And we need to know that God holds the water. He stops the water. He tells me when to get in. He tells me when to get out. He will guide and direct your life step by step. Because we're not there yet. How many of you guys are there yet? Anybody arrive yet? You guys figured out? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, good. Yeah, me neither. We're still getting there. There's still giants in the land. There's still obstacles to overcome. Now, here's the deal. That's chapter three. Chapter four, though, is all about celebrating those victories, but also remembering those victories. Because we usually celebrate when something goes good, when you're late for work and you get all green lights. Like, woo, praise the answer. You know, green light, green light, green light. But then as soon as you have something else come in front of you, an obstacle, you forget the provision that God just gave you. We have trouble remembering the things that happen to us. And so two things today, primarily. Number one, celebrate the wins in your life. It's okay to celebrate these wins. Sometimes we just move on quickly, we forget, we get pessimistic. It's okay to celebrate. As a matter of fact, are there any Washington Huskies in the crowd today? Any Washington Huskies? Okay, ushers, can you remove these people for us? Thank you. I'm kidding, kidding, Good, congratulations, or whatever, you know. Ugh, celebrate. <laughs> I'm kidding. And we celebrate wins, and we have to remember, because we're going to forget, because guess what? We're naturally pessimistic internally, and then we're pressured all around externally. I mean, you've seen this, right? Every single victory, every single win, you get a raise at your work, or something happens, or some, something breaks free for you, like, oh, this is great. But naturally, we're kind of pessimistic and sarcastic. We can see the clouds coming. If you're in Oregonian, the sun comes about, but you know the rain's like one minute away. You know, like, man, get this sun, but it's not gonna last. And so it's important to remember and to even put those memories in. I tend to do a thing on my phone lately. I don't know if you guys have a smartphone. I, I have an iPhone. And so what I do, if something happens, something uh, memorable, remember, something remarkable, I'll usually write it in my calendar. And then in my phone, there's a place where I can put a repeat on there and I'll repeat it every year. So for the rest of my life, annually to remind me, remember that one that happened? Now I wouldn't remember it because I'm not that smart, but I will remember it if it comes up in my calendar. Like, oh yeah, two years ago, that's when that happened. Oh yeah, five years ago, that's when that happened. And it encourages me because we tend to forget as a matter of fact, as you get older, a lot of things stop working the way they should, right? <laughs> you guys are like laughing and crying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh man, you know what I'm saying? And one of the first things to go, they actually say there's two things that you can determine if you're getting old because things start to fall apart. Two things, the first one is an increase in memory loss. It's the first thing, kind of like you forget, you know, your name, you forget where you're at, you forget where your, your fridge is, you know, you forget. And they say there's two things primarily, and the second thing that you can tell you're getting older is... Nah, I can't remember. Anyways, anyways, that's a joke. You'll get that later in the second serve. <sighs> we forget things. Uh, true, true story, though, true study. They actually have studied and determined that everything you experience, everything you learn, everything you know, of all the things that you re, uh, absorb throughout your entire life, 92% of it will be forgotten. You can tell that to your teacher tomorrow at school. Kids, like, none of this matters. <laughs> you know, 90... <laughs> 92, but would you concur? How much of life have you lived? How many conversations have you had? How many experiences? 92% just in your brokenness, they're not there, they're gone. So only 8% you hold on to. So what do we do? Well, in this story, God tells them, remember. 
Throughout the scriptures, one of the, the, the perennial sins of the children of Israel was forgetting exactly what God had just done. They find themselves faced with giants or faced with starvation or faced with thirst or faced with needs. Like, oh man, now what's gonna happen? And God's up in heaven going, what, what do you mean? What's gonna happen? Maybe the same thing that happened last time where I took care of you, where I led you, I protected you, I provided for you, and yet we're so quick to forget the hand that feeds us. We're so quick. And so what the instruction here is to both celebrate the wins. The Bible says to pray to him with prayers of thanksgiving. Just coming to the Lord thanking him. Lord, I thank you. I celebrate this. Thank you for the breath that I'm breathing, for the relationships I have, for the provision, the house, the car, the finances, the clothes, whatever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Man, I celebrate this. But to also pray with supplication, which means to ask him for provision moving forward. And you do so knowing his past faithfulness to you. This is what makes Christianity so fun is we can celebrate what God has done, but we can also pray for that which we still need. Here's the deal, though. Your future faith is going to be a product of your past provision. If you remember what God has done, just muse a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple of Sundays ago, the uh, internet went out in Lincoln County. It was crazy. We all forgot how to talk and went to the Stone Age and, you know, started foraging in the forest for food. And was, you know. What, what really happened, though, is we pulled out some old home movies. We started watching these home movies. It was really cool. Found some DVDs somewhere and put them in there. And the kid's like, what's a DVD, you know? <laughs> True story. I have to explain what a DVD is. Anyways... And my wife and I were watching these slideshows of our 21 years of marriage, and it was, it was really encouraging. I forgot a lot of these stories and scenes, and, and all of them just brought deep joy to my heart. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot that happened. Like, I know it happened. I'm here. I'm a product of my past. But, man, God, you were so faithful then. And if I would have known then how faithful you were going to be to me in the future, I might have had a better attitude then. So, too, now you can have a great attitude today knowing God will be faithful to you in the future because he's been faithful to you in the past. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. We do forget. As a matter of fact, I was going through some stuff last night, and maybe two days ago, I can't remember. I found this, this upstairs in, in my room, and it's the 1999 Calvary Chapel Youth Pastors, Workers, and College Ministry Conference at Marietta Hot Springs, January 25th through the 27th, 1999. Now, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit on January 1st, 1999. And my story of getting filled with the Holy Spirit here in Newport, Oregon during Christmas break and at the Foursquare Church with Pastor Warren Willie, and then driving back to Ashland on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit. And just shortly after I got back to Ashland, my life had been changed. I was, was soon, did you know that as soon as I got home, I threw drugs away? That was the person I was when I came here. I found the drugs that I had stashed at my house in, in Ashland. I found those and threw those away, pulled open my Bible. And my roommates came back from their California vacations as well, to California vacation, San Diego. And I remember my roommates came back and they said, Luke, how was your Christmas vacation? And I was sitting in my room with my Bible wide open and I spun around and said, let me tell you all about it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They're like, whoa, bro, chill out. Dude. What's going on? I was fired up. And just a few days later, I was working. I was actually, I volunteered to go do a move job and to help Mary Hart. She had no one to help her move. And I heard the people from the church were going to serve. They were picking up stones and carrying them far distances. I said, I'd like, I'd like to do that. And I remember Jack Dugan, he looked over to me while we were packing Mary Hart stuff up. And he said, hey, Luke, we're going to this conference in a couple weeks. Would you like to go with us? You, you probably can't. It's sold out and it's too soon and it's 75 bucks, by the way. And would you like to go though? And I said, oh my gosh, I would love to. And I found this and all my notes here from Rob Salvato and Don McClure and Richard Samina, all these Calvary Chapel pastors. Now, I remember going, but I don't remember every detail. And if I wouldn't have written some things down, I wouldn't have remembered what the Lord was doing in my heart. And yet I'm so encouraged now in the year 2022, 23 years later, to still be loving Jesus, to still be serving Jesus, to still have the privilege of going to conferences and even having been asked to speak at conferences. And I know it's God's faithfulness in my life. And the encouragement, the exhortation is, is God has been faithful to you in the past. He's got things in the future for you. They just crossed the Jordan River. Take these stones, eight miles to Gilgal. Gilgal's an interesting place. Did you know Gilgal would be where Samuel would be called and minister? Saul would be anointed the king. Great battles would happen at the camp of Gilgal. We're going to see Gilgal mentioned throughout the rest of our Old Testament studies. God says, don't ever forget. Listen, when I filled you with the Holy Spirit, you're saved. 
but I touched your life. I changed you, and the journey truly began. And hopefully you're aware of this by now, that the filling of the Holy Spirit is something that God does to you more than once. Fill me, fill me again. Refill me again. Overflow me, Lord, for works of the ministry, for abstaining from sin, for serving others. For Lord, whatever the gift that you've given to me, and God wants to do this, but the problem, once again, is that we forget. We forget. Every one of us are gonna forget. Doesn't that just stink? In the 11 a.m. when it's not online, I'll say suck, but I'll say stink here, you know? Doesn't that stink? You're gonna be challenged. Oh, no! What's gonna happen now? And the Lord looks up from, looks down from me. He's like, oh, what, what happened, Luke? What's going on? I got a problem. I got something to deal with. I got an issue, and he's like, oh, well, do you have any memories of all the issues I've walked you through, of all the things we've overcome together? Do you have a remembrance of that, Luke? Oh, yeah, journal entries, pictures, slideshows, conversations, and I hope you have the same. I hope you have the same, because it's not just about you. A friend of mine on Facebook yesterday, Mary Sowers, she might be watching, she lives in Albany now, her and her husband, Monty, and I are good friends, and they moved years ago. And yesterday, coincidentally, I'm thinking all this through, and she posted on Facebook, and she said, she said, man, I was down in the dumps today, just kind of having a bummer day. You ever have a bummer day? Having a bummer day. And then I remembered all that God had brought me through, brain tumors and cancerous tumors and life-threatening scares and marriages that almost fall apart and all kinds of crazy stuff, and here I am having a sad day, like, wait a minute, I've been through a lot worse than this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember, the Lord loves to bless us and move us forward. This is why we take communion every Sunday. This is why we remember what Jesus did for us. And these guys, they remember. How, how do these guys commit to doing these two things? Hopefully you're a note taker. We got 20 uh, some minutes to get through the rest of the chapter. I better get into this. They tell stories and they stack some rocks. And really this is what we do with the Lord. We serve him. Stay in the ministry. Stay on the grind. Stay serving him, loving others for the glory of God and the good of, to the rest of our lives. That's what we do. And we tell stories about God's faithfulness. And we ask other people, tell me your story. What's your testimony? This is why testimonies are so incredibly important to us and to the people around us. Look at verse one. Let's try and finish this chapter. Oh no. Then it came to pass. I already talked about that. It's not gonna stay. It will pass. When all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe. A couple thoughts in verse one and I don't wanna extract too much but I'm gonna try to. As soon as the last person crossed, God spoke to Joshua one more time. Or should I say, the next time. Until they finished doing what they'd been asked to do, there was no more further instructions for what they were supposed to do. They had to finish the last step before they got the next step. How many of you guys, don't raise your hand, but just answer the question in your mind, want God to tell you what to do next? Lord, show me what to do. It may be that he's waiting for you to finish the clear directive he's already given you to complete and you haven't yet taken that last step. It may be that he wants you to obey and may God give you revelation and application in that. I'll just read it so you don't think I'm making this up. It says, and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua. How many people? Like six million, three million. Not, not six million, three million, a lot of people. And when they crossed over the final person, the word of the Lord came. We're gonna also call this a principle of progressive revelation. You guys have heard this before. That God will reveal to you in your life progressively the things he wants you to walk in and the life that he wants you to live for his glory and others' good. He will progressively reveal it to you. We want God to show us everything right away. Like, what are you gonna do with my life? Who's gonna be my spouse? What's my ministry? Where should I go? How should I do? He's like, I'm not gonna tell you, but I'll reveal it to you progressively. It will progress as you are faithful in the little things. God will put you over bigger things. There is no other way around it. And I want you to celebrate that fact because some of you right now are spinning your tires wondering what's next, what's way out there. And the Lord says, I just want you to be faithful to your spouse. I want you to be faithful to your kids, faithful to your community, faithful to your church. I want you to be faithful to the clear word and he'll give you a clear word. If you don't know what the word of the Lord is for your life, ask him, he'll tell you. But he wants us to continue growing. He wants us to have that further discipleship. He wants us to lean into the things of God. And here's one of the lies that I hear. Maybe you do too. One of the lies I hear often is that my life and my decisions or indecisions don't really matter and are inconsequential to the rest of the group. You ever hear this lie before? Who cares about you? You can do it. Who cares about you? You don't have to do that. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility. A little bit of this for you, it's no big deal. 
because we tend to think that our little old lives aren't going to impact the entire group. Here, though, when the last person crossed over, God begins to speak again. Don't you just hate being the last person to cross over? As a matter of fact, which one of you is it? I'm just kidding, you know. We don't think it's our fault. We don't think, you know what, if I just, it's not a big deal. It's a lie from the pit of hell to think that your life, your decisions, listen, listen, please, your marriage, your ministry, your holiness, your service, your tithe, your offering, your giving, who God has made you to be, the enemy wants you to think it's inconsequential. You don't need to show up to that group. They don't need you. You don't need to volunteer. It's not about, don't worry about it. You're nothing. Oh, you want to participate and get a little weirdness? It's fine. That's not a big deal. I hear this lie all year long. Maybe you do too. But on the contrary, you matter. Your life matters. Your witness matters. Your offering, your sacrifice, your service, your holiness, everything matters. And we see it here. Joshua's waiting for the next word. He's like, not yet. Soon. Soon. Waiting for something to get across the Jordan River. Waiting for everyone to get filled. This picture of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, I got to keep hustling here. He says, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them, saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where your priest's feet stood firm, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Wouldn't that be awesome? Again, these guys just volunteer, like, I'll go, I'll go. What am I supposed to do? Show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. P.K. Hallinan, a good friend of mine in uh, Jackson County, was serving at the Applegate Christian Fellowship with John Corson, and he wanted to become an elder at the church. And John Corson at one point had 70 elders serving at the church, and large church, five, maybe 7,000 people. And P.K. tells the story. He went up to John and said, hey, I would love to, you know, kind of grow in my leadership and become a, an elder, a volunteer position at the church. And John said, awesome, love it. Here's what I want you to do. Come to church and pray for as many people as you can. That's what an elder does is cares and elds for the people. He's attentive to the sheep. Just pray for as many people as you can. And then PK said, awesome. What service do you want me to go to? And John, without breaking a smile, said, all of them. And PK tells his story. And he's like, there's five services on a Sunday. Like, you want me to you know, attend all of them? And John just smiled and said, yes, thank you. And walked off pick up a rock, carry it eight miles. See, the problem that gets in our mind of leadership is we esteem the positions of leadership in a way that I don't believe is biblical or right or healthy. And we think, oh, I get to be a leader. Oh, people get to see me. Oh, I get to be a leader. People get to like me. People get to think I'm cool. People get to, I get to influence others. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, careful. You get to come under people and esteem them better than yourself. And you get to serve them and lead them. And everybody, if everybody is doing this, if everyone's esteeming everyone better than themselves and everyone's serving everyone, it's actually not going to be that difficult. It's going to be awesome. I wonder what these 12 guys, I need 12 guys. Oh, girl, what do you need me to do, you know? Lead some worship and teach a seat, you know? Pick up a rock and carry it. Okay, you know? Anyways, I think it's awesome. I love it. If you want to join the ministry, pray about it. Start serving the people nearest you. We're all in the ministry. Look at verse uh, five. And Joshua said to the to the and Joshua said to them, "Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you?'" Okay, this is the testimony that they get to give in the future. This is where they get asked, what do these stones mean to you, Dad? What do these stones mean to you? And this is important because you all have a testimony. Why are you guys here at 9 a.m. at the South Beach Church right now worshiping God? Because you have a testimony. God's touched you. He's proved himself to be true to you. You have a story. He's delivered you. He's filled you with this Holy Spirit. You're imperfect and a work in progress. Amen? All of us are. But God's done something in your life where others should be able to point to you and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you here? What happened to you? And you know what's really cool about testimonies? Every single one of us have a unique story. The way we are raised. Some of you are raised in a perfect environment. Well, my parents loved Jesus and they loved me and, and they taught me to love Jesus and to love others. And, and I've just been kind of on that path the whole way. Are you kidding? That's a miracle. How awesome. How great. Some of you were not raised in a loving environment. 
there was trauma and difficulty and challenges and, and God found you through a Sunday school or through a youth group or through an outreach or through a pamphlet or through his Holy Spirit. He found you and he restored you and he's adopted you and he's using you. Now, how, how awesome is that? And you all have a story and a testimony for the glory of God and the good of others. And these guys are supposed to put these stones up that they might then give that testimony. You guys know this. Revelation twelve eleven says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives unto the death. In other words, we're ready to sacrifice something for him. And you're gonna overcome the enemy. Look at verse nine, or where are we at? Verse nine, verse 12, verse eight, well, let's go verse seven. Verse eight, and the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded. And they took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and they laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood and they're there to this day. Not much is actually given about verse nine. It simply says that Joshua also grabs 12 stones and takes them into the midst of the Jordan sets them up, and they're there to this day. I wonder if they're there to this day. They were there to that day, but I wonder, are they still there? Can we get some scuba gear and go to the Jordan River, you know, at the crossing? And Maybe they're there. River stones tend to move around depending on flood stages, but I would imagine this. The flood of the water was at an all-time high. It was dry in this moment, and so Joshua stacked up these memorial stones, and then you know the story. Eventually, they'd be covered with water. They're gone. It's an offering to the Lord, that secret service to the Lord. But did you know that as the water would dry up throughout the rest of the season, as the water would slow down a little bit, as the water would lessen, I wonder if those stones would kind of peek out. I wonder if in a dry time, those stones would be there. And maybe it was so that as the waters kind of dissipated and things slowed down, and man, they got dusty and a little bit dry, they would look up and say, whoa, dude, I've never seen those stones before. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, do you remember? Because it's in the dry times. It's in the dusty times and the barren times where it's imperative that we look back and say, God did something. How did I get here right now? What's going on in my life? Yeah, there's challenges and difficulties and it seems like it's a dry season of your life. But if you have God's memorial stones in your life, if you have journal entries and slideshows and pictures and a memory and just faith to say, he's been faithful to me in the past, he'll be faithful to me even through this dry season. Look at verse 10. So the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua and the people hurried and they crossed over then it came to pass that all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the lord and the priest crossed over in the presence of the people remember god is in control of everything all the details the priest waited there was no water the priest get out water shows up the priest go in water stops god is in all the details can i just underscore that maybe somebody needs to hear that this morning Maybe there's a detail in your life right now that you're not comfortable with. Something just, just got news. You just got the email. You just got the situation like, this is weird. I didn't see this coming at all. Don't raise your hand, but anybody got, I didn't see this coming at all. Man, I got some stuff right now in my own life. I'm like, pfft, pfft. You know, ever do that? Pfft. The Lord's in it. And you, and you can re- wrestle with it. And I had to wrestle this weekend. Just some pfft, stuff came up, you know. And eventually I just came to this, I said, wait, 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 the Lord's in the details. I'm not going to freak out. I already freaked out a little bit, but I'm going to stop freaking out. I'm going to trust the Lord. He's got this. How do I know? Because he got everything. He's got everything. He already has. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want this. You ever get anything in your life you just don't want? <laughs> oh, man. I got some stuff. I'm going to keep it to myself. He's in the details. Look at verse 12 and 13. And the men of Reuben and the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they crossed over armed before the Lord of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war, crossed over before the Lord for a battle to the plains of Jericho. These are the guys, again, who decided they didn't want to go all the way in. They were gonna kind of compromise and live their own life under one condition that when it came time to fight, they would show up and help the other guys take the land. Okay, they're doing their part. If we ever get an opportunity to study through the book of Numbers, we can study this story. This was a compromise on their end. Ultimately, it would come back to get them and to bite them. And that's the way compromise always works in our lives. 
We don't want to find ourselves in the back of the pack. We want to find ourselves walking in obedience, faith, action, trusting the Lord. Well, these guys had a good day here. They showed up to fight. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua. Notice all this is happening, and God speaks again. I think it's important that we understand that. God is not going to show you every single thing in your life all at once. But he is going to honor your steps of faith and your steps of obedience every single time. So exciting, so fun. You know why he doesn't tell you everything he's going to do in your life? For two main reasons. If you knew everything God was going to do in your life, you would have one of two reactions. One would be the reaction to expedite everything and hurry up and get it done. Oh, you're going to do that? Let's go! And you run out in front of the Lord and get hit by a car. Let's go! And you, you, know, you get married you know, too quickly, or you start the ministry before you're ready, or you, but you, know, you go to war, you buy the house when you can't afford it. You, oh, it's going to be awesome, let's go! And you, and you fast-track things, and, and you get the cart in front of the horse. Whoops. That's what happened if you knew what God was going to do in your life. Let's go! Or, or the second reaction, if you knew what God was going to do in your life, you would run the other direction. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to go there. And so the Lord says, just trust me. I know why I made you. I know why I made you. I made you on purpose. All I want for you is to obey me, and I will speak to you every step of the way. Well, he speaks to Joshua again, verse 16, and he says, command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, that the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. So noteworthy, so crazy that this makes the scriptures in great detail. Chapter four, verse 19. Now all the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. So imagine this, they cross Jordan and they walk eight miles towards Jericho and there's Gilgal and that's kind of where they're posted up and they've got these stones and let's finish uh, this uh, sermon talking about the stones. Look at verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. And then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. Stop right there, eyes up here. I skipped a verse. Do you guys see the verse I skipped? Anybody pay attention? Anybody? I skipped a verse. There's a verse that says, and God began to raise up Joshua in the midst of the people, the same way that he had risen up Moses. And God's beginning to exalt Joshua. Does, that, does, does a man getting exalted cause any red flags in your mind when, when a man gets exalted? It does mine. The New Testament tells us this. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you in due time. Interesting. I, I struggle with that verse too. It's in First Peter. I'm like, that's kind of weird. I don't know what that means. It means to be strengthened and to be used powerfully. To be lifted up and to be exalted. Now let me go ahead and teach on this quickly. Okay, there's the road we want to stay on. God has chosen to exalt, lift up, and strengthen men and women for his good purposes. Amen? Okay, without God, we can't. And without us, he won't. It's a principle. God has chosen to partner with men and women. He will exalt them for his purposes and for his glory, okay? That's the road, let's stay on the road. There's two ditches though, okay? The ditch of excess and the ditch of neglect. And in the ditch of excess is when we take men and women who God is using and we give them too much prominence and too big of a platform. We say, oh my gosh, he's the best teacher. They're the best worship leader. They're the best author. They're the best church. It's crazy. And we exalt people out of order. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever seen this before? Everyone just nod and tell me, no, you're here. Yeah, we do this from time to time. The problem with our fickle nature is, is that we're quick, just as quick to exalt somebody as we are to cancel people. And eventually, like, yeah, that person, yeah, I used to listen to them. I don't like them anymore. And we go to the other side, not of, not of excess, but of neglect. And we demonize and we cancel people. Here's the deal. 
God is using Joshua in a profound way. And yet Joshua is deflecting, listen, and reflecting all the glory to God. All of it. This is the challenge for men and women, for husbands and wives, for leaders and influencers. You've got to do good things. You have to take risks. You have to lead and lead courageously. You have to produce fruit. You have to take the land. You have to be obedient. You have to try great things, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God, and may all the glory go directly to God. Joshua's doing that. And here he tells how it's to be done in the camp. And he says that when your children come, notice, and I just want this to be a teaching point here, when the children come to their fathers, fathers are to instruct the children in the history of God's faithfulness and in the things of God specifically. Now, let me just ask a question. Can husbands and wives and moms and dads and men and women disciple young people and teach the things of God to the next generation? Okay, thank you. They can all, they can. But predominantly and principally speaking, it is a role that is given to the men. It is a role that is given to the fathers. It is a role that is given to the husbands, to the men, to the fathers, to the leaders, to lead and to disciple, to care for and to raise up the generations below them in the things of God. Now, when men do not do their job, Okay, oftentimes, many times, wives, moms, and women have to do that job, and they do it beautifully, gracefully, and anointedly. But I just need to speak because it says here specifically, when the children come to their fathers and say, Dad, tell me about God. Tell me about the history of God. Tell me about what happened back then. The fathers have one job to instruct, care for, and raise up that generation. I believe it is a principle that God has put upon men specifically. It is a shared task in a husband and wife relationship, mom, dad, and I get all the complexities. If you have any questions at all, email pastortoby at gmail.com about anything that I just said. Look at verses 23 and 24. This is the testimony of the fathers to the children. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is why, look at verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, the Lord your God, that is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Why is all this happening? And do you ever just ask yourself, why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening? Why did that happen? Why did I go through that certain loss? Why did I go through that certain difficulty? What happens in this story is 12 stones are erected and 12 stones are pointed at, 12 stones are remembered, 12 stones become a story block where they say, hey, let's talk about God. These 12 stones mean something. Did you know that in the New Testament, the Bible calls Christians living stones? We're living stones being fit together. You are a rock right now that is being fashioned perfectly for God's purposes, fit together in the house of God, the temple of God. And so too, listen, so too, so too people are supposed to look at your life and say, what's going on? Why are you different? Why are you not freaking out with the elections? Why are you not freaking out with gas prices? Why are you not freaking out with conspiracies? Why are you not freaking out? Why are you so even keeled? Why are you so focused? Why are you so different? Why are you so able to get through these difficult times? Because your life is to be a living testimony of the faithfulness of God to you and through you and for other people. And more than any other testimony, should there be seen in our lives, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love of God that changes everything. And if you could leave with anything today, why are you going through the, what you're going through? Why are you being tested the way you're being tested? It's in order that there would be a testimony to the people around you. Right now, you're probably fighting against somebody or something. And the Lord would say, hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not your problem. They're not your enemy. That's not the issue. The issue is I want to be faithful to you so they glorify me forever. Let me use you. Let me shine through you. Let love come out of you. Love never fails. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you and I, man, we're just blockheads. We're just rocks, man. We're just being fit together and shaped 
And God says, I will fill you and use you. This is the whole purpose. This is the whole reason. If I was gonna tell this story, if I was gonna say, okay, we're going to the promised land, where's the, where's the way around the Jordan River? Hmm? Is there a way around? No, we're gonna go right through it. That's impossible. We can't do that, that's impossible. And God says, I know, it's gonna be so fun. It's gonna be so fun. I will give you the steps. Steps? A crossing a river? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I'll give you the steps. As a matter of fact, step one, step in. Huh. And after that, step out. Set some rocks up. Isn't it rad? God knows what he's gonna do. He knows what he's gonna do. I hope you have some stories. I hope you can remember God's faithfulness. Hey, here's what I wanna do. Last thing, just these three. Celebrate the wins. Celebrate the wins. Okay, Husky fans, revel in it, okay? It's your day. Whatever. Did you recently just get a house? Did you recently just get a job? Did you recently get a promotion? Did you recently get a new hoodie? Did you recently get something cool? Did you recently get a new friend on Facebook? Something at all? Some, oh man, that's cool, it's a good day. Celebrate it, write it down. Put it in your calendar. You're gonna forget, 92%, it's gone. Remember. So that way God's past faithfulness will be your future provision. And when you come up against another giant, another obstacle, you're not gonna freak out, you're not gonna spasm out. God's got us. That's what he does. And the rest of the world that is spazzing out, that is distracted by all the things in the world right now, will see you as different. You're different. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen a Christian that doesn't look like they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but has instead been baptized in prune juice? <laughs> has this happened to you? Have you seen this before? I see it myself sometimes. I'm like, I don't look like a very spirit-filled Christian right now. Like, I'm, I'm all freaked out, you know. And the Lord says, I've given you my very spirit. Enjoy it. Walk in it. Trust me. Father, in Jesus' name, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit right now? Right now. But I don't think it's that complicated. I think if you, you fill willing vessels, those who want to be filled, those who make room for you. And so, Lord, we repent in Jesus' name and say, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might live our lives as complicated as they are. Lord, it's messed up when the waters rise or when the waters dry out. Lord, there's stuff going on we cannot control, but you are in the details. And so in Jesus' name, would you give us our steps, help us to celebrate our wins, help us to remember our victories, and help us most of all, Lord, to be those stones of remembrance, those living stones that other people would say, what do you have? Where'd you get it, and can I have it? Use us for your glory. We trust you so much, Lord. We love you. Provide everything. Forgive us of our sins and help us to be faithful and obedient to your voice. Our ear is tuned, Lord. Lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Chapter four, we did it, we did it. God bless you. Hey, don't forget, sign up for A Forest More. Go online. There's some resources for you there. Sign up for the day before Thanksgiving meal. And next Sunday, we'll give you some food to bring back on Wednesday the 23rd. Other than that, buy a wreath. Go on Facebook. Go online. Find our links. We love you guys so much. He's for us. He's not against us. Go in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You are dismissed. <laughs>